The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your faith. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers here in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, too. The Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning. I think it's an exciting show that we're fixing to have. So you got friends, share this far and wide as best you can. I know the sensors are up, but, uh, you know, we're not dependent upon them on how to get the word out. So uh, if you would, if you're on the uh, video platforms, please take time and, and share this message with all your friends. It is a message that needs to be heard. Okay, so let them know and uh, bring them our way. If you want to check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com, sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, you can watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right, you can see the face is made for radio. Just click on to the second video down 
on the right side of sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can expand that, and then also you can click on it and join us in the chat room. We've got a lot of friends in the chat room as well. And uh, good morning to all you guys. Right above that is Bradley's show from yesterday. You can click on that and play that if you missed it. And also he will be live in this area uh, above where we're live right now at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central today, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then right above that is where you can subscribe to our email newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email, spam you, or sell your email to anybody. You get one email from us a day. That's it. And including that is all the all the articles that we have today, including those from me and Bradley, as well as the morning archive, the morning show archive. So uh, be sure to sign up for that if you haven't done that just yet. And then finally, if you agree with our message. You're able to do so if you're if you um, if God has blessed you in such a way where you're able to help uh, support what we do. We don't ask you for money. We let you know we have needs because we're going to do what we're going to do, uh, but we can't do it without the Lord providing for us. And so we let you know we have needs, and if you're able to help meet those needs and want to do so, um, there's a donate button right here at the top of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can make a one-time donation, or you can slide over here to the left side of the top of the page. And you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. That's at sonslibertymedia.com. Also, the final thing here is we have a store button. You can pick up a lot of uh, great conversation starters, uh, gifts, and tools to equip you in the work of ministry that God has you in in your area of the country. Or if you're listening outside the U.S., uh, these these principles apply everywhere. Why? Because Jesus is king over all the earth. And so since he is, all these principles don't just apply in the United States. They apply abroad. And so we're going to be talking about some of those things this morning with our guest. Now, we've had um, Dr. Jason Garwood on before. We've talked about uh, the new book that he had put out called Health for All of Life. And uh, this is dealing with a, you know a subject really that a lot of modern Christians here in America are not taken in that the Bible speaks to our health, too. The Bible speaks about a lot of things, and sadly, the modern church has a lot of trouble just getting the gospel right. (laughs) I mean, that's one of the hard things for the modern church to even get right, much less the wide range of subjects which are pretty much everything that God has spoken to. And uh, and so for us to be good, solid Christians who take a stand in the world, we need to be well-rounded as to what the Bible tells us about a lot of different things. And so to help me do that today, we're bringing Jason back on. And um, Jason is uh, the teaching pastor of Cross and Crown Church in Northern Virginia. He and his wife have three children, and he does a lot of blogging. And I'm telling you, look at this, folks. Uh, he he's a book machine too, <laughs> and uh, we're thrilled to have uh, Jason back with us this morning. Good morning, Jason. Hey, good morning, Tim. It's so good to be back with you again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's our, it's my pleasure, and uh, you know I'm excited about this. And let me just introduce this by saying uh, our our mutual friend Gordon Runyon, he's a pastor out in New Mexico, sent me a write up last night, and this is not a final draft. But it is a statement by a number of churches, uh, elders in, in the churches. And uh, let me bring this up. It's called the Warrington Statement on Medical Mandates, Biblical Ethics, and Authority. And it almost, you know, Jason almost reads like a, um, a statement of faith here. I mean, the way it's laid out, kind of like what you would see at a Westminster or the London Baptist Confession or things like this. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about this because 
some people, you know, I see some people pop in uh, to the chat who don't think the church has any say in this matter, that we should remain silent. There are some who've been taught you just submit to the authorities no matter how tyrannical they are, no matter if they tell you to sin, no matter if they tell you to do things that are unethical, uh, or whatever the case may be, and that the church has no voice against the civil magistrate, which is completely disjointed and disconnected from everything Scripture teaches us about jurisdiction and authority, whether it starts individually, in the family, in the church, or in civil government. And so with that said, you've joined forces with a lot of um, elders around the country. And in specific, you surprised me this morning by, by speaking about one, but I'm really not surprised because, as I told you, I'm glad the practice is better than what's been taught before. And you guys are, are working on this to come up with a solid statement that the Church of Jesus Christ can put before the world and say, look, the civil magistrate has authority, but his their authority is very limited, much like what we have in the Constitution. We say your authority is limited. It doesn't re- the Constitution doesn't restrict us; it restricts them, and so does the Bible. It restricts them on what they can what they can do, what they have authority over, and what and what their jurisdiction is. So, can you give people a little bit of background as to how? You guys came out with this because I'm pretty sure, well, I know it is because the introduction starts with the whole COVID narrative. And so can you help people understand how you got together with other um, elders and pastors around the country to kind of help formulate this paper and what it's all about? Yeah, definitely. Um, part of the part of the issue here is that in a lot of ways, the church, um, and I, when I say the church, I of course mean Christians, confessing Christians. Um, whether their confession is is uh, in their lives or lined up or not, that remains to be seen. <laughs> but c- Christians who have looked at the past 18 months, and many, even very early on, we were very frustrated with it. Um, we held a reopen rally locally in the first part of May, about a month after they decided they want to lock down Virginia. And uh, we had already been battling with our governor and his gun-grabbing and gun gun grabbing uh, mandates and so on and, and trying to pass laws. And so this sort of just came, we, we knew it was coming and we were frustrated early on. And so we decided in our local town, we wanted to uh, here in Northern Virginia, we wanted to push back and say, no, you're not allowed to just close businesses. You have no authority to close businesses. Uh, we believe as Christians that the Dominion Covenant, the Dominion Charter of Genesis 1, 26 through 28 matters and that we are supposed to to work and labor, and that's part of the blessing of, of life under the sun, under God and his authority. And so when you start taking that away from people, you are robbing them of something essential to the, what it means to be an image bearer of God. So we were very frustrated early on. Um, we had spoken out quite a bit. I attended and preached and spoke at s- several rallies all over, all over the place, from Richmond all the way to Fairfax and D.C., and uh, we, we tried to sound the alarm very early on and saying, guys, this is, this is not, <laughs> something's afoot here. Not everything that you're hearing is what's true. And uh, in fact, I remember last, uh, last March, I had put out something on social media and, and of course that got me into trouble. But I said, look, the end game is to get you to take a, a, a toxic vaccine. That's the end game. And of course, you know, that people didn't like to hear that, but our message all along has been that this hasn't been about health. That's a lie. That's never been about health. It's about control. 
That's uh, right. Governments that don't obey Christ are governments that will never, ever rein themselves in. They just won't because they believe they have unending authority. And we confessed at the very outset of this statement, uh, lots of liberty-minded pastors came together and said, we need to put a statement together. We're going to put this together, and hopefully it gets shared far and wide. A website is coming. Uh, again, we're in the early stages. The rough draft's done. We're, we're going to make some alterations, of course, and redactions. But for the most part, we're very happy with where it's at. Um, but we're basically kind of at an impasse. We have a civil government who just wants more and more and more and more, more taxes, more money. Uh, it produces nothing. It just takes and takes and takes. And we need to say, no, we're done with this. Uh, the, the Constitution is clearly incapable of reining them in, so we have to do it. And that's really where this statement came from, is from that heart. And trying to give people a theology that is coherent, that makes sense, that people can grasp and understand uh, with Bible verses and, and you know basic logic and rhetoric used to, to basically put our foot down. Okay. All right. <clears throat> now, what is this, uh, where does this Warrington statement, what is, what is that and where is it coming from? What is the statement itself? Well, Warrington is the town we, we, we live in. And so, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in, in Northern Virginia here. We're sort of on the outer rim of the cesspool of iniquity that is the DC metro area, <laughs> right. uh, what we call Babylon. But uh, that's really where that statement comes from, mostly because several of us said, look, we're, we're tired of this. So um, we, we, we tied it together with medical mandates because as we've all seen, They've told you what you need to put on your face. They told you where you can go, how long you can be there, how many people can be there. Um, and they have grossly uh, overstepped their proper biblical jurisdiction. So we tied it to biblical ethics because uh, biblical ethics are important. <laughs> the law of God is what we, we stand on. Amen. And so that's that's where that came from. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> let's go through a couple of these things. Now, I, I told you at the first, I, I think probably most professing Christians would at least see, I want to say this, would at least understand the opening, which again, is very much, it's like a statement of faith. It's just outlining our foundation. Let me give a couple of things so people understand what we're talking about. The The first one is authority. Uh, we affirm that the only authority who has total and unlimited authority and jurisdiction in Christ, is Christ Jesus, upon whom all true and godly authority in heaven and earth is vested. And then you said, we affirm that delegated author, earthly authorities have been instituted by God as servants of God to function as a blessing to those in their jurisdiction through their godly governance and rule according to His law. These may be civil authorities, ecclesiastical authorities, vocational authorities, familial authorities, and self-government. And then you guys uh, said, We affirm that to ascribe total jurisdiction to any human authority is idolatry, since this, and this is what I was battling with the whole Trump stuff, was people were willing to give him authority he didn't have and go yep. along with it, um, is idolatry since this kind of unlimited authority is reserved only for Christ Jesus. This establishes limits to the jurisdictional authority of all subordinate offices that exist under the authority of Christ, and we deny that the civil authorities uh, that do exist have unlimited jurisdiction. Now, this is... This is sort of the foundation, and there's a longer statement here uh, after that, but this is sort of the foundation of where you start from, and then you take and apply it to things like 
mass mandates, social distancing, uh, not allowing you know any more than such amount of people uh, to come in, or even going so far as to shut down the church from meeting together as God has commanded them to do so. So I think this is a good place to do that. And uh, do you want to touch on that just a little bit of the of the issue authority? You you kind of hinted at it right at the first there, but why this is so important that people see this because. As far as I'm concerned, Jason, this is a standard that comes outside of us. This isn't us coming up with our minds uh, or saying, well, I think it ought to be this way. This is something that comes outside of us. This has been in in action since the beginning. And, uh, of course, we have things written through in Scripture throughout history. But from the beginning, God had ordained authority the way it was, even in the garden, God, and then man, and then woman. And so do you want to speak a little bit about that as well? Absolutely. And I'll start with kind of giving a little historical lesson just because I think it's important. Obviously, when you go back to the ancient Greeks and they're wrestling with this idea of of a being and becoming and the relationship of who we are and how we experience the world, um, this has been an ongoing philosophical discussion. So it's not new Um, when we talk about who we are as humans, who has authority, how do they get to use that authority? These are questions that humans have wrestled with for a long time. Um, But one thing that's influenced evangelicalism, and I would argue erroneously, is something that Thomas Aquinas himself put forward. Um, He he heavily distinguished nature and grace, and this idea of natural law comes through. And I'm not content with insisting on natural law. Um, We have the law of God. We have his revealed world word. So, um, but basically you have a realm that's natural, it's finite, it's moral, and then you have this other realm of grace, and it's um, spiritual and infinite and immortal, and and that eventually led to us di- dividing up the world into this secret, sac- secular and sacred. And I think that that's where a lot of times the church has become really quite inept, uh, because we've just delegated Sunday Bible reading and preaching and things that are good and healthy to being those are the sacred things we do. And so the, the secular is, you know, how you pay your bills and you go to work on Monday and, and that, that is disjointed and disconnected from the rest of the world. And that view, frankly, is unbiblical. You read something like Psalm 103, 19, it says the Lord has established his throne uh, in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Amen. So I insist, even in the book he referenced earlier, Health for All of Life and, and applying this issue there that we have to have a holistic view of the kingdom of God and the authority of Jesus Christ. So only his authority is total. Only his authority is immutable. Only his authority is exclusive and absolute. And if you don't have that type of authority rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ, you will always and inexorably lend yourself to tyranny and statism is the natural result. So, just sort of like historically, that's kind of where we've come from in a lot of ways. Um, but where we need to go is to reclaim the truth of Scripture that Jesus himself, even in the Great Great Commission, he doesn't send them off on their own authority. He doesn't send them off on Caesar's authority. He sends them off to disciple the nations, to baptize them, to teach them to obey God's law, to teach them how to function as a nation, how to do business and economics. He sent them out on his authority. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And this is where a lot of these these ideas are anchored when we, when you look at this statement, uh, because our 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 efforts at just trying to persuade people, um, you re- referenced Trump, and those who live by the executive order die by the executive order, and that's just how it's always going to be. 
And we have to get outside of that and say, why do they have any say over most of anything? Um, the state just does not have the authority to do these types of things. And we need to have a biblically coherent message put together. And so when we start with authority, that's really where it comes from, because this isn't just opinion. This isn't just, oh, we our feelings are hurt because you destroyed my friend's business, which may be true. <laughs> But it's more than that. It's bigger than that. It's about roles. It's about jurisdiction. It's about what the state is allowed and not allowed to do based on the authority of Christ and uh, not the authority of men and the, the, the authority of the majority and so on and so forth. Well, that's right. And I think a jurisdiction is a, is a big issue um, because with the jurisdiction comes the authority. And uh, we've been talking about that at, at our church as well. And that is, <clears throat> you know, I don't. I don't come into somebody else's house and start commanding their children. God has given me a jurisdiction in my home to teach and and command my children. Uh, But he hasn't given me that authority to go command somebody else's house. I can't go over to Jason's house and start telling his kids, okay, you get to washing dishes and doing this. They're not my kids. It's not my jurisdiction. I'm a guest there. And then when you go to, to churches, even pastors have a certain jurisdiction that they can deal with. Uh, they can't come to my house and tell me, well, I don't like the way your house is painted. You need to change it to another color. Uh, they don't have a, a jurisdiction there. Their jurisdiction is wherever their authority is by the Word of God. And then the same thing happens when you go into the civil sphere. But it's like you said, people disjoint that. They disconnect it from the other. I mean, it was Calvin who said that all things are sacred for the Christian. There is no secular and sacred. Everything is sacred because we're to do all things for the glory of God. So it doesn't matter if we're you know, paying a bill or if we're working or if we're resting or whatever we're doing, we're to do for the glory of God. One of the things that I brought up, uh, Jason, concerning this kind of stuff where the, uh, the civil magistrate was overstepping his bounds, um, and, I, and I can say that here in South Carolina, even with government master, was this idea of essential and non-essential businesses because it clearly went against the fourth commandment. Because everybody thinks of the fourth commandment as, well, we're supposed to have one day of rest. But they miss the the positive side of that uh, is that we have six days that we're going to labor and do all our work. And so when a civil magistrate says, no, you can't work, you can't do this, they are in violation of their jurisdiction and they're opposed to the authority that God has given them or that God has spoken of uh, that he has to command us to both work and have a day of rest. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and I think that that's one thing that we can think about when we, when we, some, some have already pointed out, for example, with the masks, um, you, basically you're bearing false witness. Like I have to somehow pretend to be sick and play this game and this narrative right. and, and I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So if you look at all of, in a lot of ways, this is sort of the, 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 the accuser, the Satan, right? Hasatan. He's the one who uh, always tries to flip God and his order on its head. So you have a counterfeit covenant essentially being made. And these counterfeit covenants work themselves out in the state trying to, for example, tax you more than what God says for his kingdom, which is a 10, 10% tithe. So we pay an astronomical amount of taxes in this nation to prop up a government that does nothing but bully us and beg for more. And so, as I said earlier, they don't really produce anything at all. They just consume. So there's always a counterfeit covenant that goes, goes with this. And that's what, um, what you mentioned, the Sabbath, sort of a, we're the government. And you know what? 
you can just stay home. We'll, in fact, we'll pay you to stay home. I remember AOC said that very early on. We need to pay people to stay home. And, and that's essentially what they did through fee- printing more money, the fiat currency causing inflation, as we've seen, more and more problems in the economy, driving up artificially, driving up the housing market. All this stuff is all connected because they have an erroneous view of the Sabbath. The state gives you rest. The state tells you when you can work, when you can't work, instead of being obedient to God. So I wear a shirt often that says the state is not God because, and I get interesting, you know, looks because of it. But that's a theological statement I'm making. You you have no jurisdiction here at all. So you need to be reined in because they're not going to do it themselves. Well, that's right. That's right. And somebody's mentioned in the chat, uh, Mother Earth, really, Missy? Um, Mother Earth, there is no such thing. She's not a mother. Uh, in fact, we're told from the scripture that Eve is the mother of all living. That's what her. That's really where her name is derived from. Um, she is the one who gave birth. But in, in essence, it's not about respecting the earth. It's about respecting the God who created the earth. And so I just want to give that correction for those people in the chat. Um, you know, you're off into paganism. You're not under the authority of God. You are flying in the face of God. You're, you're doing the very opposite of what we're talking about here. Uh, the thing that is going to protect your liberty, um, you're, you're discarding. You're, you're not listening to. Jason, mm-hmm. let's go through a couple of these things because I think it's very important because each one of these things um, builds upon the other. We, we've talked a little bit about the jurisdiction. We've talked a little bit about authority, but there's some specifics here. So let me give uh, this statement here. This is uh, from you guys' decoration. We affirm that in instances where a Christian's responsibilities to God and his fellow man are not harmed, the Christian may choose to obey some unjust commands. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. When such commands can be obeyed without engaging in sin. And that may sound confusing, but I hope we can clear that up for people. This may be because compliance with the command is forced upon them or because in lieu of retaliation, compliance is rendered in order to further expose the wickedness of the command and incur the, fur, the future sympathies of the tyrant. Now, I think what you're saying is an unjust command it would be like kind of like the Roman soldier come along and saying, hey, pick up my bags and carry them a mile. And Jesus said, if a guy does that, it's an unjust command. He doesn't have authority for it. But Jesus said, look, just pick up the bag and go with him two miles. Right. Is that, that's, that's really what you're getting at when you're talking about these unjust commands that aren't sinful. They're not necessarily sinful for you to do, but they're, they're unjust of somebody else to ask of you. In certain situations like that, a Christian can obey or disobey it, whatever the case may be. But do you want to elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Because a lot of, uh, unfortunately, I think in this discussion, a lot of Christians have said, well, the government, you, you have to obey the government unless they cause you to sin, and then you don't have to do that. And that becomes really problematic uh, because there are instances throughout Scripture um, where you have a, a different situation going on. In fact, Daniel, I was just going to read this. I had pulled it up in Daniel 6. Uh, if you remember Darius, they're, they're trying to figure out a way to basically entrap Daniel and the men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. That's right. And so essentially what they did was, well, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's ban prayer. <laughs> and uh, so Daniel, 
interesting. He found out the document had been signed. The injunction moves forward. He went to his house where he had had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed. So essentially, it, could Daniel have said, well, all right, you, no prayer, fine. I'll just, I can pray in my head. I mean, can't we all pray in our head? Of course, it's a part of, of prayer. Um, but instead, Daniel says, no, I'm going to go home. The windows are going to be open and you're all going to watch me obey. And this was a righteous resistance. Now, Daniel could have been fine with obeying it and figure out a way to quietly keep his prayer life in order. And that would have been fine. But he chose the opposite. So there are a lot of examples of things, these unjust uh, sort of obeying an unjust command that would not result in sin. And uh, I can think of a ton of them. How about property tax? <laughs> I believe property, property tax to be entirely unjust because God owns the land, not the state. And uh, we, of course, obey it because I don't want to be homeless. I don't want to be kicked out of my home. Uh, using fiat currency. We all participate in a system where the dollar is not backed by the gold standard, not since 71 with Nixon. Um, we have essentially eroded away the, the dollar with printing it en masse quantities. And we all use the dollar. So we're all sort of participating in this quote unquote unjust weights and measures program. <laughs> uh, there are other types of things you, you could um, here in Virginia. I don't know about your state, but we have uh, a law that says you have to have your car inspected every year. And uh, with the COVID shutdowns and lockdowns, they had postponed them for a while. I had failed to get my wife's car inspected in time um, and she got a ticket. So I basically was taxed again. And so I paid it because I didn't want to have to deal with court situation. You know, they, they sort of hold a proverbial gun to your head and make you do this. So we're obeying what I believe to be an unjust command. And it's not a sin for me to do it because I'm being coerced into it. And that's sort of what Jesus was getting at, as you brought up. And just think of the apostles. They go in town, they go to town to town to preach. Uh, we went to D.C., the, the, the D.C. Pride uh, Festival on Saturday. We, we got mob rushed by several hundred people. The cops showed up, about 100 of them. And, and uh, I'm not allowed to carry a gun in D.C., so I can't protect myself. So I am glad for that, that they were there. But, you know, if they said you have to leave and not preach, well, would that be sinning? Would I be sinning if I obeyed them? Well, no, we just go to the next town. That's what the apostles did. Uh, so I think we need to get out of this, what I believe is a very sophomoric understanding of civil authority and jurisdiction and stop with, uh, well, if they command you to sin, then it's okay to disobey. No, our argument here, what you pointed out, is they, they actually may overstep their authority, like issuing a mask order, which they have no authority to do so. And you may obey it because you're, you have a gun to your head and, you know, maybe you have to because you really need this item in the grocery store and they're just not letting you go in without it. And maybe, maybe you're coerced into it. But at the end of the day, though, those responsibilities uh, don't belong to them. It, it belongs to the individual. It belongs to the family. It does not belong to the state. Well, that's right. And um, the thing that we push people for is, again, to obey God, to obey God and those kinds of things. Now, you go on and you state this. Uh, my screen's moving a little fast here. You said, We deny that any human or group of humans who claim to be civil authorities are in, actual, are, are in actuality recognized by God to be civil authorities solely by virtue of their claims to that authority or the claims of those 
who support them. Um, do you want to do you want to elaborate on that? Do we have people? Do we have humans and groups of humans claiming to be civil authorities who are not really civil authorities or acting in that acting as such? Yeah, it could be in a it could be it could be in a church. <laughs> you could have tyranny in the church. Um, you may have people who are uh, husbands who are just not serving their wives like they've been called to do. Um, they're claiming authority. Well, I'm the husband. Well, you, you actually have no authority, and that's be, that's because Jesus kind of he, he was pretty clear in laying out what authority looks like. Um, the, those who want to be first have to be last, and then you, you know you, you have this view of authority that's conditional and subordinate to God and His authority, and so you you can't just sort of declare yourself. All right, the CDC they are the authority when they're not a government agency. They're heavily funded by Bill and Melinda Gates and other you know vaccine companies and. Um, suddenly we're listening to them, like they're some sort of authority that we're supposed to listen to. I think that's really partly what we're, what we're doing is, is saying, look, even as much as I take issue with certain things of the Constitution, um, because I think they have in, in some ways not clearly laid out the law of God and the authority of Christ, different, con- you know, different conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. But even we're not even following that. So we have the CDC and the World Health Organization directing policy here. And so it's always follow the money. That's what Gary, Dr. Gary North says. Just follow the, follow the money. Where did the money go? And then you can figure out what's going on here. Who owns uh, shares in Moderna and Pfizer? Who, 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 what politicians are getting money from whom? Those are the questions we want to ask because their authority is delegitimized because they are not functioning as a civil servant. They're not functioning uh, even in accordance to the Constitution, um, so that's partly what we're trying to stay off is is that idea that well, just because you declare yourself to to have authority doesn't make it so. That's right. Now there's a there's another thing that you've got right after that, and that builds upon what you just said. You said we affirm that true civil authorities are legitimate to the extent that they as appointed by God, bear the sword to fulfill the description of what civil authorities are in Scripture, namely that they punish evil and praise good according to their civil office and jurisdiction. And this is very interesting because the very thing that civil government is set up to do, it's just not doing. It is not bringing justice upon the head of the evildoer and praising the good. It's it's almost opposite of that, and then they claim that they're going to bring justice against the evildoer, and it's really an injustice to both the the evildoer and to the people who didn't violate the law uh, by caging them for however long they're going to cage them and making the people who had nothing to do with it pay for it. So I, you know, when I see these kinds of things, this, uh, this civil authority, they have authority to the extent they do. One of the things I'll, I'll just point out, and I'll let you elaborate on it, is even in the Old Testament, when the people called for a king, and God said, okay, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And God laid out exactly what the king would do, that he would end up being wicked, uh, and he would he was going to oppress the people. But one of the things he said was, the king is to write for himself a copy of the law and keep it before him all the time. In other words, the king was not... Um, he wasn't a complete sovereign in the fact that he was to do just any old thing he wanted to. He was restrained by the law of God to act according to what God has said. And I think this is what you're pointing out here in this particular statement in uh, Roman numeral 9. 
Yeah, that's a misunderstand. Not what you're saying, but it's a, there's a misunderstanding out there from Romans chapter 13. A lot of evangelicals will point to Romans 13 and say, well, they told you to stay home, stay home. And a lot of people just did it without any sort of pushback, any, any, any real meaningful analysis and exegesis of Romans 13. It just becomes, uh, well, do, do what the government says. And you're pointing out when we put that, the, the language is in there about punishing evil and praising good. That's directly from what Paul says in Romans 13. Remember, he's writing uh, before, just before, a, a handful of years before the Neuronic persecution where Christians were being put to death. And the, the tyrant Nero, who was Caesar at the time, uh, was you know, killing Christians and lighting up his gardens at night with burning Christians on a post. He wrote this before that. Now, I don't believe, and I think it's exegetically provable, that he's, he's not describing the current events. He's prescribing what a civil magistrate looks like. And he's God's servant. He's his deacon for good. And he's bearing the sword. So that's intentionally, I think people ignore, but it's intentionally put in this statement because punishing evil is a very narrow job description. <laughs> we have to know, first of all, what is evil? How is he supposed to know what to punish? And we say, well, God's law, <laughs> clearly. We have the Ten Commandments. We have the case laws that go with it as examples. Um, even in the statement, we talk about things like murder and rape and rest, forcing restitution for for theft and those types of things. And um, we want uh, liability to be um, not the liability isn't to the state. You know, we, we don't, we're not, the, the state is never a victim, even though they try to be um, through local coercion tactics, whether that's tickets and police and all, all who unfortunately police end up having to enforce erroneous um, and oftentimes draconian laws. But Romans 13 says they're shakedowns and extortions, what they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the main point, though, of what I wanted to say about punishing evil and praising good. And, and now in America, we've lost that vision of truly punishing evil and truly celebrating that was that which is good. And now it's flipped on its head. It's we need to punish that which is good and praise that which is evil. And Isaiah says, woe to those people who call evil good and good evil. And, and right now, United States government is, in fact, a corporation that they have. They want a monopoly. They want a monopoly on education. Now they want a, even more of a monopoly, monopoly on health and what you do and put into your bodies. And so we, we've just gone off the deep end on these things, and we need to rein, rein this stuff in immediately. Yeah, let's talk about uh, – let's just elaborate on this, and then I want to jump to some of the health issues <clears throat> specifically that you're rejecting these, uh, these medical mandates. Uh, you talked about the, uh, the civil author- uh, authority has – or civil magistrate has lawful authority to punish certain things, uh, to deal this – the, this is the language of what Paul has given. And again, it's not descriptive of the time. It's prescriptive of how it should be. And when you, when you have a – Someone in authority who doesn't stick to that and they go outside of that, well, then they're in violation of the law. They're not uh, obviously serving as God's minister anymore. They have usurped that authority. And uh, some of the things that they have a, a lawful authority to punish are these. Assault, murder, rape, theft, fraud, man-stealing, and uh, false witness. And they are to ensure proper due process through the civil courts payment of liability for verifiably proven harm, and proportionality of punishment. This is the statements that you guys 
or the statement that you guys have made up in this larger statement here uh, against medical mandates. You also say that we affirm that Christians should obey the biblically lawful instructions and commands of earthly authorities to the extent of their proper God-ordained role and jurisdiction. Um, Of course, some of these statements are what you just talked about, about Paul's uh, writing of Romans 13 and such, and then you end up with two other statements at the end of this first section. We deny that the only reason one may lawfully disobey an authority is if they're commanded to sin by that authority, and we affirm that disobedience is also permissible should any command be given outside of the jurisdiction of the particular authority. For example, civil governments have in the past enacted one or two child policies to deter what they see as overpopulation, Though it is no sin for a married couple, you give an example here, there's no sin for a married couple to have only one or two children, such a family would not be in sin should they disobey the civil authorities' command and have additional children. Regulating family size is not within the jurisdiction of the civil or the ecclesiastical, that's the church governments, but Mm -hmm. a family government, even if the alleged purpose of such an order is purported to be for the public good. So there are times where... Again, we, we put it out, there are times where uh, people may disobey the church or even the civil magistrate when they are going into a jurisdiction that they have no business going into. I think that's what you're affirming here. Absolutely. The church has no business telling you uh, how to manage you know, your finances. You, know, you have to do this. You have to do that. Um, you can declare, of course, what God requires. What does God require? He requires the tithe. Um, recommend Rush Juni's book, Tithing and, Dom- and Dominion, on that. Um, uh, so you, you, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, Tim, and I want to make sure I emphasize this for the listeners because I think this is super, super important. It's not about whether or not they cause you to sin. That is, it. That is not the entry-level uh, point here. We're emphasizing it's about jurisdiction. And as you mentioned earlier, jurisdiction goes with authority. So if they're going to cross that jurisdiction, they've rendered themselves without authority. So, and we should treat it as such. And that's the emphasis of the, of the statement. Okay. All right. Now let's get into the really, uh, what are we going to call this? The sticky part. This is going to be the practical application uh, for these whole medical mandates. Um, where do you want to start at? Let's just start with a, with a couple of statements you guys have on Section 2, which is the application to these medical mandates. You say, We deny that the civil authorities have been granted lawful jurisdiction and authority over personal, familial, or pr- public health. We deny that the leprosy-related passages in Leviticus 13 and 14 teach the general principle that civil government has unqualified and legitimate jurisdiction over managing public health. You know, I use Leviticus 13 to say, this is what you would do if you had sick people that you thought were contagious. They would be the ones who would actually go over here. But you begin to talk about how that's also tied to um, the ceremonial uh, clean and uncleanness. And we can see that in a number of ways, not just with leprosy. Uh, we saw it with women who had issues of blood, like the lady in the New Testament who had spent all her money at the doctor's. And yet she went and she said, if I can just touch the hem of Christ's garment, I'll be healed. Well, in that time, Jason, that would have been a no-no for her to do because she was considered ceremonially unclean, and if she touched Jesus, he was going to be considered ceremonially unclean. And so here she is thinking, boy, if I can just touch him, I'm made clean, no harm, no foul. That was, that was in her mind. 
But I've used leprosy in in saying this. We have our civil governments have way overstepped their bounds and said, well, we're just going to start quarantining people for 14 days, no matter no matter what's going on. If they have a sniffle, if they have a cough, if they're coming in the country, any of these kinds of things, we're just putting these unnecessary things on people who are not even sick. They don't even show any symptoms or anything like that. And then that that authority's just usurped. And the people get behind it going, yeah, let's do that. Why? Because they're fearful. I think a lot of it is driven by fear. And they're, and as, as God has said, you know, the people get destroyed for lack of knowledge. But I think the fear is what drives people to just go along with that. Hey, I don't want to get this thing because obviously it's killing a very small percentage of the people it actually infects. Um, you want to speak to that for just a little bit? Yeah, I think that that's a, I think that's important because when we, uh, put together the statement about Leviticus 13 and 14, you have a lot of people who really didn't take the time to do proper exegesis on it and just want to say, yeah, the government can tell you to go outside the camp or quarantine out in the woods somewhere. And that's just not at all what we're dealing with. For one, we're dealing with the priesthood. The priests were the, the ecclesiastical authorities. And uh, there's no there's no reason to assume that they were a civil magistrate of sorts. Um, so that's connected to the ceremonial practices all of that we know has been abolished in Christ. His Melchizedekian priesthood is now greater. Um, so it's just not a good proof text at all to, to use that. And it kind of goes back to the issue of health again, where health is an individual responsibility in the family's jurisdiction. Um, it's not even the church's responsibility to say to you, well, you have to eat this way or you have to do this. Are there principles that we can learn and we should be encouraged to use? Yes, definitely. Um, but, the, you know, again, the state doesn't have the authority to try to uh, just drum up whatever sort of uh, concoction they want to put together for a, a quote-unquote public health emergency and then start doling out vaccines and, and uh, President Biden allegedly buying a bunch of them and trying to get them to, to other countries. And you, you just sort of have this... Uh, practicing your righteousness before men sort of thing. Uh, but we deny all of that. The civil authorities do not have lawful jurisdiction at all over public health. And you cannot use Leviticus 13 and 14 to, to really prove your point on that, um, just generally speaking. Okay. All right. Now, here's the next couple of things that come in. Um, you're denying that the civil authorities have lawful jurisdiction to remove any person's God-given rights without proper and biblical due process of law. This includes the right of each individual to pursue their livelihood and conduct their, and conduct their affairs in public. When we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, when we talked about you know uh, work mandates and stuff like this. And then you said, we deny that the civil governments have lawful authority to enact lockdowns predicated on protecting public health, as this is not their jurisdiction. Now, take some time and, and go through that because... Uh, when we had Tony Roman, you know, he's the guy who owns the Basilicos out there at Huntington Beach, who's taken a stand, you know, against uh, Newsom and the state of California that have usurped their authority. It says you've got to close down your business if you're going to be open. It can only have this many people and you got to wear a mask. And he basically said everywhere where they told us to do something, we not only resisted it, we went above and beyond to um, to attack it. They told him no mask. He said, I ban mask in my restaurant. He said, they said there has to be a curfew. We stayed open later. And because he said they have no authority. And I found it interesting. He said the state is not charged with the, being the know-it-all and the enforcer of science nor health. And I think that's kind of what you were 
leading up to at the last part of your statement. Do you want to you want to jump in on this just a little bit? Yeah, it's a, again, I, it's tied to the Dominion Covenant and what God has told us to do and, and how we are to to uh, be productive and how we're supposed to be working and laboring and building God's kingdom through obedience in every area of life. That includes how we build our families and, and so on and so forth. And I think this is this is kind of particularly, I think it is at the core and the crux of the whole argument with regard to the state and its interventionist policies. Uh, are they permitted to tell a business what to do? It's over-regulating the market. And of course, we know that regulating the market uh, lends itself more in the fascist um, category. And I applaud people like that. There were, there were folks uh, here locally who, who did some of that, and we always tried to support them. There were people uh, in Pennsylvania restaurants. A lot of you know places made national news because they decided, no, we, you have no authority here, so we're going to do the equal and exact opposite <laughs> or go above and beyond as the case that you made here. But this is the crux of the issue is whether or not they have lawful authority to enact any sort of lockdowns. And that's that's where we stand strong and say, no, you, you just don't. You can't mess with the economy like that. You cannot meddle and tell people what they can or cannot do with their dollars, where they can shop, where they can't shop. And, you know, locally here, we really got after some of our officials because the language we're using here locally to sort of agitate and teach and disciple our civil leaders here at the county level as saying, you guys let this happen. You know, and a lot of them will say, no, well, Richmond told us that governor Northam told us that we had yeah. to do this. Yep. No, Pass the buck. You, you didn't have to obey that. You could have said no, and you chose not to. So we're, you don't shift the blame here. You're responsible as well. That's right. That's right. And this is, I think that's why it's so important that, you know, back in the day, <laughs> When states actually used to restrict public office to Christians, and they had to affirm that in their in their oath of office that they that they agreed that the the scriptures were the, the of the Old and New Testament were the word of was the word of God, and that they affirmed basically a Trinity concept that Christ is God that He's the Savior of the world. They didn't have a lot of you know big time theological stuff that that went on in that oath. And they were judged by their character. And in doing that, I think that's more of a biblical approach. I've talked about that with First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 with the qualifications for those who, who lead the church. If they can't do it in their own home, they're not fit to lead the church of God. And I would say the same thing is true in the political realm. If they, you know, we have so many who can't even keep their own families together. We're looking at even somebody like, I say, the illegitimate president, Joe Biden. I mean, we look at even his son. Uh, he can't even he, he can't even deal with his own son or his daughter or any of this other stuff. He has no business being a dog catcher, let alone being the president of the United States. And so <clears throat> there are some other things that come down from that because these are the kind of people telling us, oh, they keep pushing the fraud that a vaccine is safe and effective. They keep, as you said a minute ago, it's not just Biden. I mean. Trump was the initiator of it, spending all of our money unconstitutionally without any authority to buy all these vaccines, billions of dollars put into that through Big Pharma. And that's that's fascism at its finest right there uh, with the public and private sector working together in that kind of manner. But some of the things that you 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 went on to elaborate in this statement, I want to, I want to read a couple of these and get your get your comments, because I think this starts getting down to where the rubber hits the road here. You said we deny that. 
such violations of medical freedom by the civil government, and you're you're alluding back to what you said uh, previous, and that is that individuals may restrict their freedom of movement on their own. They may decide to do that, but the civil government may not restrict their, that liberty uh, under these kinds of things. Um, and you say the violations of medical freedom by the civil government or their subsequent mandating of vaccines and masks are rightfully justified on the basis of the claim that unmasked or unvaccinated persons, quote, present a general danger to the health of the public due to viral spread. Now, all of this public good, public health, all this stuff, to me, sounds very communistic. <laughs> and so yes. would you elaborate a little bit on that? We've got about two minutes for the end of the show. We're gonna, Folks, we're going to hang over for a little bit. I talked with Jason. I said, this is going to be a big subject. So I want to get it all in one thing. So we're going to hang over for a little bit. But if you want to elaborate on that, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the whole idea of unmasked or unvaccinated persons being a threat to public health, that was the narrative really early on. And this has been the narrative for vaccinations, generally speaking. People who uh, get vaccinated are somehow afraid of the unvaccinated, which is just totally illogical and absurd on every level because you don't, <laughs> for one, how am I going to transmit something that I don't have? And two, how in the world are you supposed to get it if you, quote unquote, are protected? So it's completely illogical. And that's why I never, I never went with the mask thing. I, never, uh, I, I think I wore a mask about eight minutes in the past 18 months. Um, because I was refused service at a, at a Panera Bread on the Ohio Turnpike, and my kids were hungry, and I needed to order, and she refused. So I, uh, of course, uh, afterwards, I attached it to the top of my head to mock her. But, <laughs> um, th- but this, is, this is part of the issue here uh, with regard to this present danger to public health. Look, that's just that they're drumming this sort of thing up to try to stoke fear in people, you're, if you're healthy, you're healthy. That's why they start saying asymptomatic. You know, that just means you're healthy. You're, you don't have any signs of a contagion or a disease or a virus. Um, so that sort of narrative is, is, is bearing false witness. It's lying. And uh, frankly, it's just not loving your neighbor as you're supposed to do so. Well, that's right. And that's, that's going to be the next thing. So hold on to that thought. And we're going to take that after we close out the show because there, there are so many. I, I read a thing the other day. I read it on the air. Um, it was, I think it was from yesterday's show. Yeah, it was from yesterday's show. A guy at the American Conservative said, oh, he was talking about this guy, Tony Spell, down in Louisiana. He's got been sentenced to 18 years because he opened up his church and wouldn't comply with the unlawful edicts of the tyrant down there the governor down there, and the guy goes, well, he's not showing love for his fellow man by doing this, that, and the other. And you guys have a whole section of saying, well, that's that's not the case for the Christian. This has nothing to do with the limiting their love. So, guys, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, we're going to continue. Head over to sonslibertymedia.com, scroll down right side of the page and click on that, or you can catch us on Before It's News, top of the page, beforeitsnews.com, right there. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, sonslibertymedia.com, and we'll see you again for Rotten with the Core Wednesday at 6 a.m. with Lynn Taylor. See you. Boy, that was a lot to say real fast in the last couple of seconds. Um, uh, that's one of the things that I really want to hit on, uh, Jason, because you mentioned that this is very um, confusing. And we know God's not the author of confusion, so who's bringing this? 
And it's my contention, it's the devil himself, he's the author of confusion, and it's those who are submitting themselves to him, those who are his children, as it were. And so when, they're, when they come and they try to accuse us and they say, well, you're not your brother's keeper, and I have a real problem with some of that language anyway, how it's used uh, out of Genesis, but you're not your brother's keeper. You don't love other people because you're not looking out for other people by not wearing your mask and not social distancing. And, and, and you're going into church together. Oh, you're going to spread all those nasty germs and stuff. And it's like, dude, germs have been here since the beginning. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. not uh, viruses. All this kind of stuff have been with us from the beginning. The problem is, is when. Um, you know, we're not looking after ourselves in most cases. We're not looking after ourselves that we make ourselves susceptible to sickness and disease. And that's not always the case because we have been studying Job in, um, in our Sunday school at church. And obviously Job was not sinning. And we see behind the scenes spiritually what was taking place. And God was doing something. And by the way, folks, it was God doing it. He says, I'm going to show how I'm going to show something through my servant Job, and he was using his devil, and Satan is God's devil, by the way. Let's just keep that mm-hmm. in mind. He's not just out here on his own. He's God's devil to be used for God's purposes, and he used him to do what he did. But Jason, can you speak to this issue about love? Is a Christian being unloving if he doesn't wear a mask, if he doesn't get a vaccine, if he if he doesn't social distance or any of this stuff? Yeah, you're... You're definitely loving your neighbor when you're aligned with truth. I think that's the issue because Amen. you don't get to just redefine love. We know that um, Jesus told us to judge with righteous judgment. We know that love is not demanding. Love does not insist on its own way. Um, that's straight out of 1 Corinthians 13. And we also know from Romans 13 that love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we don't, you don't get to just redefine love based on whatever particular public health emergency narrative you're, you're trying to perpetuate. That's the issue. Uh, I don't, I've never, this here, sort of the layers to this, it kind of goes back to this issue of, are we going to be law abiding people? And by law abiding, I mean, law of God, abiding, abiding people, um, Love isn't something you get to just make up on your own. Love does no harm to his neighbor, that sort of thing. Now, that would mean potentially you don't, if you're sick, you don't, you know, go coughing over people and those types of things. That may be an application. But again, peeling back the layers, we have this huge problem when it comes to the health discussion with regard to germ theory and terrain theory. And this is, as I argued in the book, germ theory comes from an evolutionary worldview. The next virus is out to get, we already, we've already seen, thank God for Rand Paul, right? And his work in Congress, talking about the gain of function research that Fauci is guilty of doing. This is we- a weaponized virus, no doubt about it. It's been, whether it happened haphazardly or not, they were messing around with something they shouldn't have. Um, but terrain theory comes from a biblical worldview, germ theory, evolutionary worldview. And those are very basic concepts that I think we need to kind of peel back the layers and say, well, you're not just going around spreading um, germs because you hate someone. Germs are always going around. They're always going to be here. As you mentioned, you have millions of bacteria in your gut alone. So we can't just, you know, change the discussion based on however our preferences are. And so loving 
love is not to be defined um, by whatever public health emergency comes. Well, yeah, and I appreciate you making those distinctions of germ theory and terrain theory because that was one of the things, you know, when we started bringing Kate Shimarani on on Saturdays, um, and she's been with us now for, I think, a little over a year. I, I That was one of the first things that really interested me was here she was at the time she had been a Christian, I think about a year or so, and she understood what many Christians didn't understand. And that was, here's what God's laid out for us. You know, you talked about the church not having, or the civil magistrate, either one having authority to tell us, you can eat this, you can eat that. But what she did was she said, here's what God's instructed us that's good for us. That You know, she says, uh, she went back to Genesis and she said, here's the things that he says, this is going to be for your food. And he And she says, we know. All of these things are good for us. And it's when we start getting away from that and we start putting things that she says, if it doesn't look like it comes from a bush or a tree or you can't make it from those things that do come from the ground or whatever, then you shouldn't be eating it. It's probably bad <laughs> for you. And I think that's probably some wise advice. Um, and so it, the thing is about taking care of the temple. Uh, that we are the temple of God in the fact that he has given to us of his Holy Spirit, those of us who are believers, he has given to us of his spirit that we may use this temple, that we may submit it or we may, uh, as Paul says, sacrifice it, submit it to God, that it may be useful in the service of the kingdom. And so I think this is very important because, boy, we're having two worldviews you know, hitting head on in this very thing. And I don't think most people have picked up on what you just said, that there's an evolutionary view that brings this in versus a biblical worldview. And I got to tell you, I appreciate you doing that because I never thought of it in those terms. And so that's kind of eye-opening to me to to hear you say that. Yeah, it's it's sort of, again, how you view man, man, man and who he is, biologically speaking, his purpose. Genesis one and two, Psalm chapter eight, um, our calling to 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 have and take dominion the way God has done through stewardship and and servanthood and those things and and when you view man as a biological heap of of brain fizz and you know chemical reactions, you sort of treat him as such, and the body becomes more of a, a mechanistic uh, thing where we control it, we control the body, we tame the body. Even the vaccine theory, of course, just an erroneous, absolutely erroneous view of man and the, the immune system and trying to, to suppress one aspect of your immune system, your cell mediated, trying to supercharge the other, your humoral system and uh, vice versa. You're, you're just messing with the way God has designed it to be. And um, when you have a Darwinian evolutionary naturalistic worldview, of course, that's what's going to happen. You end up you know, fearing these little viruses that are so small that they can get through a mask yet you have to wear the mask and maybe two, you know, and, and uh, it just becomes just a joke almost because they're not even following their own version of a science. You probably heard Tim, the uh, stuff from Dr. Fauci this week, or was it end of last week? I can't remember now, but where he says, you know, people are questioning me, they're questioning science. And he basically <laughs> conflated and equated himself with science. Yeah. Um, my goodness. If that's not a deity who's upset that he's not being worshiped, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And, you know, here's the thing, though, um, Jason, is the guy continues to talk because the previous guy in office didn't bring him to justice. And I'm not trying to pick on Trump here, but the fact of the matter is Trump is the one who brought all these liars out to talk to the people every single day and yeah. promote the fear and set the narrative 
and and to get everybody worked up so they're looking for for the solution which for them is the the injections and 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 that that's the one thing that we're missing in America is real justice and I'm talking about a biblical justice because I think uh, one of the things that we have to ask ourselves and I've said it over and over is how do we make just laws and the only way I can see that we do it consistently and right is by going back to the creator the lawgiver himself and mm-hmm. seeing what laws he gave, and then following it up with, okay, what are the punishments for those? Because we've got that wrong, too. We give unjust punishments. It's called the industrial prison uh, system, mm-hmm. and um, it's a for-profit system. And so I think that's why they have to end up making up all kinds of pretended laws to put people in jail who have no business being there. They have no business being punished anyway. And uh, and they're doing that all for the sake of exact. It all goes back to one thing that 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 money uh, that they can that they can make money off the people. Now, um, you we let's go on a couple of other points down here. Sure. That you've got here, um, and this ties in, I guess, with some of the the things that we just talked about. We affirm that any attempt to impede fellowship in the body by a believer on these grounds, and and the grounds are. Let me back up here just a second, because <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Uh, we yeah. affirm that any civil or ecclesiastical authority that attempts to coerce individuals or their children with any form of public banishment, fine, imprisonment, social ostracism, or other forms of coercion are ascribing to themselves authority not delegated by God are in, and are in grievous sin. In other words, they need to repent for what they're doing. The second thing is we affirm that any af- attempt to impede fellowship in the body by a believer on these grounds is also divisiveness and unless repented of is grounds for excommunication. So we're dealing both outside the church and inside the church. And then you said, we affirm that it is a Christian duty to seek the well-being of their neighbor. Do you want to kind of bring those three things together and, and kind of balance it out and show us what you mean? Yeah, sure. Because this is kind of personal for me. I have a friend who hasn't been able to come to his church in over a year because they are ma- they mandate masks. And uh, w- what a ridiculous display of authoritarianism for for an elder or a pastor, uh, a session to come together and say, you have to wear a mask to fellowship with us. Yeah, amen. Um, That's crazy. It's just, it's just high-handed disobedience. It's absolutely insanity. Um, so we, we really, that, that part was really personal for us because essentially you are banishing them from the fellowship. You are um, trying to sanction them heavily for, for not participating in the, in the giant CDC scam, uh, the, the, the pandemic as it's been uh, affectionately called. So we, we definitely affirm that impeding fellowship by requiring these things is totally outside of the bounds of the authority of the church. Church has no business doing such things. And, and of course we do want the well-being of the neighbor but you don't get to just decide to what is the well-being of your neighbor, just like you can't decide what is uh, loving to your neighbor. Uh, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's Romans 13. So we, we want to say, okay, what is lawful? If sin is lawlessness, as First John tells us, then what, what do we go? How do we build out from there? And uh, it's, it's really frustrating. There are still churches in our area that are still closed and only doing online services. Um, you're not really a church anymore because you're not serving the kingdom That's and right. you're certainly not serving one another because you don't see any each other. Um, so just kind of brief comments on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I think there is a place for, you know, online services. Uh, you've got shut-ins who sure. can't make it in. I mean, 
I, I remember as a kid, we had a, a tape ministry and we had several shut-ins in our church. And so we would, you know, duplicate the tapes and we'd take the tapes to the, the shut-ins who couldn't be at church. So that's a ministry that you can have. They obviously can't get there um, for whatever the reason is. And so there's there's a place for those things. Uh, our church does that. We we obviously broadcast the services and stuff. But the thing is, is that God tells us to come together. We're to be an assembly. And you can't you can't really be an assembly virtually. I mean, you really can't do that. It might make up for one time if there's something that goes on or whatever. But other than that, I mean, that is not what God has called us to do because I think he, he intends for us to see each other face to face, to talk to one another, to hug one another. Uh, some people aren't going to like this, but it's biblical. It says greet one another with a holy kiss. And obviously that's the you know kiss on the cheek thing like they do in the Middle East and yeah. stuff. But he intends for us to to you know be close with one another not social distance and he includes all of his people in there in the worship of God in the in the preaching of the word in the hearing of that word and the obeying of that word and so uh again it's amazing to me that these churches do that but i think it's like what you're saying i think god is separating out the wheat and the chaff this way Mm-hmm. And if they'll separate with something so easy as a mask mandate or, you know, not come to church or, you know, due to their fear or they just their heart's not in it anyway, whatever the case may be. Um, I think he's already beginning to separate out wheat and chaff, not just here in the States, but around the world. Yeah. And you mentioned this earlier and I wanted to kind of say this. I'm glad it, the, the opportunity came again when you were talking about God is not the author of confusion that's because God himself is the absolute personal God who is um, simple. He is uh, the, the aseity of God comes into play, who he is in and of himself. He doesn't need anyone else. Um, he's not trying to fill a void in himself. He's not a megalomaniac like Dr. Fauci. Um, he, he is a perfect and holy being. And um, that when so when Paul says he's not the author of confusion, that's partly what he's getting at. But there's kind of this other flip side to the story. When you go to Deuteronomy 28 or Leviticus 26, you have what's called the sanctions of God. And so our culture right now is experiencing the sanctions of God. We continue to murder our preborn children, four or 5,000 every day. Um, again, government intrusion. That's why they, they, that's why they want it to be called healthcare, by the way, <laughs> because they want the government to back it. And of course, the government is doing that. The civil governments are doing that. Uh, but we have really a lot of confusion today. And I believe that God does, in fact, stupefy a country that won't honor him. And those sanctions in Deuteronomy 28, chap, uh, chapter 28, verse 15 and following, I encourage people to read, to read it. I mean, God literally says in his word, I'll strike you with fever and inflammation. So yep. we're talking about God who's judging us, and we deserve far worse than what we're getting, we're getting now. Absolutely. And that's why repentance has got to be our main message. So that, that's important to know, because it's not merely just oh, you have to wear a mask to come to church. Nonsense. We're under the judgment of God. We need to gather as a people of God and cry out to him in prayer and repentance and beg his mercy. Absolutely. That's what we need first and foremost if we're going to get out of this situation. Let's cry out to God and not the civil, civil government, not our governors. Let's cry out to him in repentance and then move on from there. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good advice. In fact, uh, I was talking a little bit, I think it was yesterday, I was talking a little bit about, you know, we have not yet, or we have yet to bring in the issue of sickness and disease and such 
from a biblical standpoint of how God is using that. Now, God doesn't, we're not told that it always is a result of sin. I mentioned Job and the things happened to him. And the Bible says in all this, he didn't sin. So there wasn't a sin as to why Job was experiencing the things he was experiencing. He was experiencing those things because God was showing himself strong in Job through his tribulation, if you will. But then we have people like, um, I think it was Epaphroditus, that Paul left because he was sick. And we're not told that Epaphroditus was was sick because of sin or any of this other. And yet, we do see where God would send disease, and he would send sickness into the midst of the people for their sin. Um, I recalled, I think I made mention of David, who took it upon himself to create a census of the people. And then he realized, I shouldn't have done that. That was yeah. wrong. It was sinful. And God said, okay, here's some choices for you. What, what do you want to be the punishment for this? And, and David goes, we'll send the pestilence in here because at least in that scenario, we can trust that you might be merciful in the midst of that. And I don't think the church comes to grip with the fact that, that God will sometimes use those kinds of things as judgment uh, upon uh, a disobedient mm-hmm. people, specifically a disobedient church. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, it's just kind of become a foregone conclusion that, yeah, you know, things happen. We live in the natural world. Things happen. You know, atoms are spinning around out of control and bumping into one another. And basically, Christians in a lot of ways are functional evolutionists. That's what. That's how they treat the human body. That's how they have treated this whole pandemic. That's how they treat um, basic sickness in, in the church. You know, that's partly why I wrote the book, Health for All of Life, because too many Christians, the, the, the end of their uh, responsibility, they think, is just making sure their name gets on the prayer list. Should we be praying for sick people? Absolutely. Should the elders anoint them with oil, perhaps frankincense? Yes, absolutely. Um, but, but let's not act let, like let's not nothing forget, else matters. Let's not forget to have them confess their sins and they'll be forgiven because that's part of that context, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we, we just have to get back to those types of thinking. Basic biblical obedience is what's required. And, and until we get there, we're just not going to get out of the mess we're in. Statism is a judgment from God up and down. It totally is. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're getting to the bottom of this thing here. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, when I read through it last night, I was like, yep, I'm totally on board with all these things you're saying because they're, they're going right back to Scripture. Then they're addressing the things that are here. And I think this is what a lot of people are looking for. They're saying, what does the Bible have to say about this? What does it have to say about this? What does it have to say about this? Uh, because for most Christians, it's a completely unbiblical thing. Jesus Jesus loves you and has a, has a plan for your life. Or, you know, Jesus died for your sins, and that's the extent of it. And there's no there's no instruction on, on how to repent. There's no instruction on what that looks like. There's no instruction on how we're to go into carry out the Great Commission, Matthew 28, where he says we're to teach all things Christ commanded, not just mm-hmm. you know one sliver of you know a portion of it. <laughs> we're to teach all things that he that he's commanded, and so people are looking for those answers. And I think Jason, I see those bumper stickers that say Jesus is the answer, and most people don't even know what the question is. Yes, and so I think Jesus is the answer. I believe that. But he's the answer for all these things, and and they've and and he's given them to us. And you know, God has given the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Why to equip the saints for the work of ministry? And so, if they're not doing their job, then the saints are, in many cases, very ignorant, 
and they're being destroyed as a result of that. Let me read a couple of things here. Yeah. Uh, this is another statement from you guys. We affirm, and I guess I should include myself in there since I told Gordon to put my name on it too. So from us yeah. guys, <laughs> uh, we're one in Christ. So he says, we affirm that those who seek to bind the conscience of the believer by insisting that conformity with mask or vaccination mandates is the only way for a Christian to fulfill the command to love one's neighbor as oneself are treating the traditions of man as the commandments of God these individuals are themselves guilty of twisting the scriptures and are effectively subjecting the law of God to the ever-changing conflict, the conflicting whims of public health agencies. The latest medical study or majority opinion, and let me add this one in here as well, or let me combine these two. We deny that choosing to decline a church officer's request to wear a mask is any way evidence of rebellion against ecclesiastical authority since the ecclesiastical office does not hold jurisdiction over personal or familiar health decisions. And then you added on to that, um, we deny that all instances of requiring masks for church meetings are necessarily sinful or divisive in such cases where the meeting is held at a venue where the property managers are not the local church and such property managers require mask wearing for entrance. This is a property issue. In such cases, those who choose not to fellowship because of the mask mandate at the meeting venue should not be said to be in violation of any biblical commands regarding regularly meeting with the saints. If possible, church officers should seek to secure a meeting venue where the local congregation will not be forced to exclude non-masking individuals Due to the whims, uh, due to the whims of the building owner. Now, I took this over to some venues that were housing the orchestra over in Charlotte, and they were like, "Well, we're in this venue, and they're requiring this kind of stuff." And I said, "Well, would you mind passing on my interview with Dr. Merritt, who was exposing that masks don't work, the lies about social distance, in fact, even the satanic nature of some of these kinds of things, or the cult nature of some of these things." Yeah. And I said, would you at least pass this on to the owners to where they can see the truth? And so the people said they, they would indeed do that. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on in these couple of statements here. Yeah, the main issue is it cuts both ways. Um, if you're going to rebel against tyranny, then do it everywhere. You have to be consistent. And we're trying to be consistent here, especially with regard to declining a church officer's request to, to wear a mask. Um, because again, lawful, the, something is lawful, whether or not it pertains to Christ and his authority. That's the issue. That's the working standard. So we're, we're trying to be consistent across the board and making sure that we're making, having these categories set up the way they should be set up, not through just arbitrary whims um, or whatever we think. Uh, we want to defy tyrants in every place, whether that's a, a husband or an elder who's a megalomaniac. Um, people who are just insisting on pushing the Fauci doctrine, that's, you know, we want to try to be consistent with regard to who, who, what are the commands of God? And then how do we distinguish that from the, the commands or the uh, traditions of men and making sure we are not um, crossing that line and crossing that cab- chasm? Because essentially, as I said earlier, with the mask, you're, you're bearing false witness. You're, I'm not going to pretend that, A, this mask even works, but B, I'm not going to pretend that I'm sick and I have to somehow protect you from something that I may or may not have, but only if I get tested by a test that's been proven and shown to be faulty. Um, you know, th- those are just lies and I'm not going to live. I'm not going to live by lies. That's just not who Christ has called me to be. So we're trying to just be consistent across the board um, with some of these affirmations and denials. 
Okay. All right. Now I want to jump down to the bottom here. There's there's two statements, and um, and I, I want to read these for the people, and then have you comment on them. We're right here at the end. Uh, it says we affirm that it is anti-scriptural and abusive for a parent to deny any and all medical interventions to their children with the rationale that all medical intervention is, as a category, evidence of a lack of faith in God. In cases where such neglect and abuse are present and predicated on this rationale, this is not a matter of medical freedom. This then becomes the jurisdiction of the civil magistrate. And then you conclude with, we deny that if a parent chooses to forego a given medical intervention such as a vaccine for other reasons, such as not being convinced of the short and long-term risk profile or effectiveness of a given action or non-action, that this means the parent is guilty of neglect or abuse, regardless of what recommendations they have or haven't received from their doctors. Now, Jason, we've seen a lot of stories where children have been taken from their parents. I can recall there was one girl up in up north, and I want to say it was up in Massachusetts, but I may be wrong, and she had not been vaccinated, and they went and took this young girl. She's like a she's a young teenager, and they took her away from her parents and they were injecting her with the vaccines, and her parents didn't want that. Now I gotta tell you, because I and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm just gonna tell you what I think. <laughs> Because I am to be their guardian, their protector, and if I see these things as deadly, I can look at the VARES report, just in what's reported, we know that's only 1%, uh, what this shot is doing, and God knows how many people have actually died from getting the shot, uh, and then the injuries that follow, in the millions that follow along with that in just a few months. If somebody comes to take my kids from me saying, well, you're neglecting them by not having them vaccinated or you're mandated to vaccinate them. I believe I have the authority because, again, this is the jurisdiction of the home, not the civil sphere, is to stop them by any means necessary if that's what it comes to, hopefully by peaceful means, but any means necessary because I think somebody's trying to kill my kids. Yeah. Am I right or wrong? I believe you're absolutely right because you're working under the authority of God, which transcends and and uh, goes way well past the authority of men. I, I absolutely agree with you, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I just I don't ever want to see that day where somebody tries to take one of my kids and hauls them off and says, "No, you're going to get the vaccine." You mentioned the VARES report. We're well past five thousand deaths, and we're several months behind in the reporting. It's absolute insanity. Yep. We're going to mark my words, Tim. We're going to see more deaths from the vaccine than people who actually died from. COVID. That's right. That's right. It's going to happen. And the injuries are going to far outsurpass it. Far outsurpass it. That's why we're not talking about health. It's about control. It's never been. If it was about health, we wouldn't butcher children. That's the problem. Come on, with abortion. So, yeah. Now I'm going to preach. Yeah, those go ahead. No, I was. I was just about to say, go on and preach about that. Go, just <laughs> those, go ahead. Those, those last statements are kind of personal for us because we've had we uh, have a family member who. Um, the child apparently had cancer and they did not want to go the conventional route. They didn't want to uh, do the scorched earth policy of chemotherapy. And um, we ended up kind of having to help with some legal issues because essentially they were going to try to take the child and uh, the, the um, government was going to come and take the child because they were refusing. And that's part of why those last two statements are there because this is, this is an absolute breach of authority that the, the magistrate is to punish evil 
not just make things up as they go and claim to have authority where they don't have it. And it's absolute insanity what we're doing right now with the vaccines and discussions of mandating them. And uh, man, it gets me fired up. Just it's really frustrating to watch the church sit on the sidelines and not stand up. It's just insanity to me. This is, videos like this should be out there getting millions of hits. I mean, I, you've got tons of videos and discussions like this. People need to get this message out. We're hoping the statement will get out and that the church will actually stand up and say, no, enough is enough. We're tired of this. The, the, the civil magistrate has gone so far off the deep end. We're done. That's what we need to be doing. Yeah, amen. I, well, and I think that's the church has got to be the one who leads the way. We're the moral compass. And if we're not being the moral compass, then the people are lost. And as a result of that, they're going to sit here and they're going to submit to the tyrant. So one way or the other, whether it's to, through the coercion or fear or whatever the case may be, they're going to do that. And we want to give them a message of hope. God, and I think this is great. And um, I, I, think, I think you said it's okay that I post at least what you guys have here now and, and let people know this will be revised in a little bit. But just so they can go through it for themselves, I hope that's okay that we post that so that people can read that. Is that okay? Yeah, we'll get you an updated version. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I want to do is I want to put it in the archive just so people can read it, and I'll okay. put the uh, I'll put an asterisk there that this can this is going to be revised, but the revision's probably not going to be anything major. It's just going to probably be with some some terms or something, adding some words or something like that. But yeah. Jason, I appreciate you staying with us and uh, and showing this stuff because it's very important. This is a practical application of what it is to be a Christian. This is a demonstration of living what we say we believe. And you know, early on, when I w- when I became a Christian, I, I'm a I'm a preacher's kid. You were saying that it was kind of interesting. You were saying that about the mandate of masks. And when we had Del Bigtree on, one of the things that he mentioned was the fact that, uh, you know, he went to church, I think it was for uh, Resurrection Sunday service, and he said there's about 15 or 20 of us in this church with no mask, and the rest are, are a sea of masks. And he said, I just looked around going, man. And, and he elaborated on the story from the garden, but he said, what are you people doing with this big fig leaf over your yeah. face? And it was, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know that he was questioning people's faith, but it was an it, it was an issue of why are you doing what these people have told you when you're talking about a guy who's resurrected from the dead and has all authority to heal all kinds of diseases? Yeah. I mean, does the Bible not tell us that God is our healer? Um, and I'm not saying that that he sometimes doesn't use men as means. Sometimes he does, and sometimes he does supernatural healing. But again, the, the the church has lost that supernatural aspect of what's taking place that we don't see and is basically looking at the world to provide for them something that God says that he's the one who provides. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. I mean, I, I said from the very beginning, why why is it that we cried out to the, to the Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci? Why didn't we cry out to the Lord? Um, it's It's really... Sort of, uh, remember, in, in Elijah was talking to the people, and how long are you going to go limping between two opinions? If, right. if God is the Lord, then serve him. Yahweh is Lord, serve him. If, if, if Baal is Lord, then serve him. And that's kind of what we're seeing is sort of a, an antithesis, a, a dividing line down the middle between those who want to serve the state and those who want to serve Christ. And unfortunately, it seems like so many have just gone along with it to serve the whims of the state. And it's a tragedy. It's sad to me. You know, and that's part of our mission is to wake people up to this and get more and more people uh, 
awakened to this uh, reality that Christ is king over all things, including uh, personal health. Amen. Amen. And, you know, this is part of the Great Commission, too. People may not see that, but this is part of that. This is teaching the nations to obey all that Christ has command, including that which is in, with regard to our health. Uh, Jason, I appreciate you staying over, coming on early. Uh, folks, Jason had to get up really early in order to drive to another place so that you have good internet to be with us this morning. We really appreciate your efforts there. And uh, tell people where they can find out more about you. you got a website, you got a blog, or uh, some things like that. Feel free to take time and, and tell people about that. Sure, yeah. Our, our church website is crosscrownchurch.com, crosscrownchurch.com. Um, my website is jasongarwood.com. And uh, I'm mostly, I'm on Facebook, not not a ton, um, you know, sort of using it a little bit. I've, I've been axed in the past, so I'm trying to be careful, but most of my activity is on Gab. I really appreciate what Andrew Torb was doing on Gab and some of the, some of the stuff they're doing. So that's, that's one way to connect there as well. Um, but certainly my website is there and I, I appreciate you, Tim, having me on again and talking. I really appreciate um, all the work you're doing and especially for the listeners and folks who are chiming in in the chat and, and uh, participating. It's really neat to see to see people that are out there. It's super helpful to know that there are people um, that are fighting for the true freedom that Christ gives us. So it's a, it's a true blessing. Yeah. Amen. I, I, yeah. And I, I, this is something that, you know, our mutual friend, Bill, we, we were talking about and he says, well, we don't, we don't have this. Um, I forget how he put it to me. We don't have the uh, organization that those who are opposed to us, you know, end up getting in. And I said, yeah, we, we really don't. But I said, you know, I don't know that we have to have it in the same manner the world does is because God's got it orchestrated and he's organizing the way he organizes. And a lot of that is beyond our comprehension to do. I think we try to work together. I think this statement is a, is a way that um, you and others have brought this so that others can join in, so that the world can see that we love one another and that we are one just as Jesus prayed. We're one in the same mind on the things that God has given us. And so, man, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the information you've given. And uh, guys, you guys who are listening, be sure to share it, not be, to promote the Sons of Liberty, be, because the message is very important. And uh, if you've got people who are uh, in any way sinning in any of these areas, whether they're your civil magistrate, whether at a local level, a state level, or a federal level, or even in your church, um, or you've got others that need to repent, love them enough don't do it publicly. Don't go up and, you know, get in their face and stuff like that. Do it privately. Say, man, brother, the the word says this. This is what it's called to us and call them to repentance. That's real love. That's real love. And we, we know about that. Any of us who have children, why? Because we have children that are sinning all the time. And our job as mom and dad is to correct them and call them to repentance always. I mean, that's, that's what real love does. It disciplines. And the Bible says we are not to reject that. We're not to be angry about it when the Lord disciplines us because it's a demonstration that he actually loves us. So with that in mind, that's the word of hope today is take this, use it, utilize it for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom. Again, Jason, thank you for joining us this morning. Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern time this afternoon. Jason, if you hang on, I'll, I'll say goodbye after this. Um, catch him at 3 p.m. Eastern this afternoon, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then also pick us up in the morning, 6 a.m., Lord willing, right into the core Wednesday with the Common Core diva, Lynn Taylor. Till then, see ya. <laughs>